What is up, good people? Hope everybody's doing great out there. Thanks for tuning in to Cracking the Code. Today, I have on the show my good friend Wally Record. Wally is an artist, a visual artist. He does some amazing painting. He does digital art. He does sketching. He's just all around super duper talented. And I met him a couple years ago at a festival, and we just jived super well, and we've stayed in touch. And he's a really amazing person. So I had a really great time with this conversation. Um, so yeah, we're going to do some ads real quick and then we're going to get right into the episode. So thanks again, everybody. And this is Wally record. What is up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Um, if you want, we could just start off by uh, you kind of like introducing yourself, telling everybody what you do, and maybe how you got into all this. Um, well, my name is Wally. I am 30 years old. I'm an artist living in Colorado Springs, Colorado currently. Um, I've been painting for coming up on two years at the end of this year. I never did art before this. Uh, I was doing other things in my life and uh, just, I don't know, I guess I just wasn't creating things. I guess like where it all started was like, I was kind of a time in my life where I was just kind of going through the motions. Didn't really have any like real goals or plans. Uh, I was in school for computer engineering and I was just kind of there just because like that's like what society said like I was supposed to be doing and you know I was supposed to be studying this so I could get this job and have a you know stable financial life and just basically to do what everyone else is uh you know doing and um I guess like I started getting into psychedelics and um I started like exploring and experimenting with those more and more and uh I had like a couple of experiences, basically psychedelic experiences that like where, you know, like my higher self told me that, you know, it was like what I was supposed to do with my life was I was supposed to create things. I was supposed to make art. And like that was my path to a better life and, you know, to finding, you know, contentment with my life at the time, which were things that um, I was lacking. Eventually, I couldn't really, you know, ignore the fact that that was not what I was supposed to do, you know, that, 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 that was what I was supposed to do, you know, with my life. And I eventually dropped out of school and just started pursuing art. And it just, it's almost like I almost already knew how to do art, <laughs> but, you know, like it just kind of like came to me, like I already understood it, you know, uh, just like, it's just things that I just, I'm able to like look at paintings and just like break them down and like almost like understand what the artist did and teach it to myself just by like studying other works of art and not really needing to practice that specific style that much. But yeah, it's been a weird 
year and a half now. I moved out to Colorado during that time to be closer to the psychedelic art scene in Denver and, you know, just kind of warming my way into that scene, you know, so I can get some showings and stuff like that. But, you know, I feel like as soon as I decided to do it, you know, things just kind of aligned for me. And, you know, I just kind of been riding the wave. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's It's been really cool to to just see your your growth and just the process of you just delving deeper into this like i i feel like i remember having a conversation with you at huluween about it and you you talking about man i think i'm just gonna drop everything and pursue art and you know just watching you create the things that you create it's like exactly like you said like it, it makes sense it's almost like you knew how to do it already and just I've been blown away by it and you seem like really at home. Um, like, so for sure, obviously, like you were saying, your decision to do that came from more from like the heart and the soul. So, um, I'm curious to know, like, does that feel more fulfilling now? Like changing to this work in this field of work and getting away from sort of the the rat race and the grind like do you notice a big difference in your sense of well-being between doing the daily grind and now doing something you love uh yeah um it's like you know i finally just now get into the point where i'm just like fully focused on the art and you know wasn't having to do like anything on the side to you know support myself so it was like a transition and you know in the beginning it was more like i had that you know that real contentment you know when i was whenever i was doing art and then whenever i was spending my time focused on other things that you know were necessary at the time but weren't really what i wanted to do i found myself just kind of feeling off you know like i felt like it wasn't right you know like i felt like i needed to be, you know, investing all my time into that, you know? Yeah. Into art instead of whatever else I was doing at the time. But now that I'm here, I mean, yeah, whenever I'm doing art, I kind of just leave the world for a little while. Like, I just kind of, like, go into my own little zone, you know? Like, you know, in inner flow states, it's kind of like you leave your body for a little bit. It's kind of like you're there, but parts of your brain aren't really, are kind of, like, shut off, and you're just, like, using just that part of your brain to solely focus on that one thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I know exactly that feeling, you know, there's just so many different ways to, to get into that space and really go deep into yourself. And I love watching, like I've seen some of the videos you've posted of you doing like live painting to music and stuff. And it's just, it's like watching, it's like watching a show. It's awesome. You can tell that you're totally in your element and that you're having fun doing it. And like, that's just so badass. I, I'd love to see you get to do a, a live painting it a set sometime you know when we're actually doing live sets again and when i make it out to colorado but um yeah what uh do you feel like you uh when you're doing live painting do you kind of let yourself get into that zone and and do some of the the dancing and, and movement that i've seen you do on your own well, it really just depends on the music. Right now, I'm not always able to pick specifically what I'm if what I'm going to be hearing. I'm going to like really get into, you know. So when I'm at painting at shows, that is the type of music that kind of I guess it ignites those emotions and feelings within me. Definitely, that's when I paint my best. You know, when I'm really just completely loose with it, like I'm just not even like thinking before I even take a second to process the stroke I just made to maybe judge it or not. I'm on moving to the next one. It's just boom, 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 boom. You know, like it's almost like a a fast paced like 
flow painting. I feel like when I'm in that state, I'm able to do things that I wasn't able to do before. Unlock like a secret power almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I've seen it. I mean, like that one painting when you were here, just to see all the progress that you had made in one evening, I was just like, wow, that is like insane. And it's it's so impressive. Well, that show specifically was probably the first time I got to paint something that somewhere where I really liked the music. And I, I can just tell the difference in a painting that, you know, I started when I was in that real deep flow state and just totally in my element versus one where I've kind of like tried to force the flow state, you know, it's, it's like not as creative. It's almost, I don't know. I can just tell the difference between it, you know, like I can almost like recognize the mind state I was in when I started the painting, looking at the painting after I've been working on it for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting. I, I just love like seeing these days the way that um, there's sort of this blending and hybridization of all of these, different art forms and just to see them come together and uh, just knowing you if I had to guess I would I would assume that you're almost always listening to music when you're painting and I guess that would probably go across the board for a lot of people but I feel like your process is unique and just the the current psychedelic uh, visual art process is unique in that it is so heavily influenced by the music and the emotions you are feeling while you're listening to that music yeah, uh, music is definitely, you know, something that's non-negotiable. I have to be listening to music, you know. Um, sometimes I will, if I'm doing an area that's like requires high concentration, I might listen to, um, you know, ambient music, you know, like nature sounds, like a alpha wave type stuff. And besides that, yeah, and I listen to different music depending on what specifically I'm doing with the painting, you know, like different stages require different styles you know like in the beginning i probably listen to something more fast paced and you know end stages with all the details i'm probably listening to something very calming and you know down tempo that's almost like the process of like how a, a lot of live sets go you know like they start out super hard and then get slow and whatever that's so interesting man yeah you know our, our music tastes are always changing you know i was thinking the other day you know talking about to someone you know it's crazy how almost when we you know experience shifts in consciousness that like our music tastes kind of shift with them yeah you know as you know like i grow as a person you know like my i things i appreciated you know four or five years ago i i don't i can't really i just don't get into anymore and stuff that i didn't even like a year ago now i'm listening to every other day <laughs> yeah it's 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 weird how those things are connected you know yeah appreciate you know what gives us pleasure yeah. Do you feel like, so I, I guess now I'd, I'm kind of curious if we could get into sort of like your, your inspirations and uh, some of the artists that have inspired you and that you look up to and whose styles you admire. And I guess that would go in terms of musical artists and visual artists, because I feel like you said both of those so heavily influence your art. Yeah. Um, I guess some of my, you know, people who inspire me would be, you know, artists such as a paint let's start the start with painters i would say uh, mars one um mario martinez he's you know does psychedelic surreal landscapes he's kind of like the original of that style the kind of abstract graffiti but psychedelic in a way it's not anything that's planned kind of like whereas you know someone like alex gray his stuff is 
very thought out and, you know, stenciled out. You know, Mars One, it's just, he doesn't know what he's doing. He just goes with the flow and just creates these beautiful abstract landscapes. Um, other artists similar to that that I enjoy would be Stephen Cruz, Seth McMahon, uh, Johnson Salter, uh, Omeka One, or Gabriel Welch. And uh, artists, you know, I'm always being inspired by different musical artists. When I'm painting, I listen a mixture of, you know, electronic music, but um, I've been getting into a lot of like psychedelic dub and like um, psychedelic psytrance and psytrance and I listen to a lot of stuff like Tipper and Spongle, anything like uh, kind of like breakbeat type of stuff like KLO and like that uh, stuff that's like glitch. Most people don't even know like what any of these genres are, but <laughs> just uh, anything that just gets me going, you know, I just listen to stuff that gets me fired up, basically. Especially when I'm starting a painting, I want something that has me, you know, kind of like hopping around and just kind of like I'm about to go into the ring or something like that for a boxing match, you know, just I kind of get all juiced, juiced up and stuff like that. And then I kind of just like let it all out on campus. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm, you know, I'm relatively familiar with like most of those names or uh, almost all of them. But yeah, those are some really, really great artists. Um, Spangle, I guess I kind of didn't realize until recently. They've been around for like a while, haven't they? Uh, yeah, it's so it's Simon Posford and a few other guys. One of the band members in Spangle is like 90 years old or something like that. Wow. Old guy, yeah. Um, he's, I think he's like retiring. But yeah, some imposter. He's in a couple different things, like uh, younger brother. Yeah, I mean they've been around a, a while, like a long time, like I think thirty years, something like that. Damn, that's crazy. The older guy, yeah. You know, Tipper's been around a really long time too. He's just it hasn't been that big but yeah spongle's been popular for a while it's it's really huge in europe it's not it doesn't have a big uh u.s crowd it's huge in europe yeah israel and stuff like that which is actually where like uh psytrance started for her like infected mushroom that guy's from israel israel that's crazy i didn't know i didn't know any of that <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of stuff that i listen to that doesn't even really play in the u.s that much they only play in europe because that's where their crowd's at like europe and australia and stuff like that yeah that makes a lot of sense I think uh, you know a lot of the festivals in Europe are bigger. The Psytrance festivals are bigger than the ones here. <laughs> yeah, I would love to go to some of those over there sometime. Like I see some of the videos and just the production that they have and stuff is just so insane. Look, you can tell with the production. I think they put a lot more into production too. They care more about those things than the money. Yeah, that's one of my plans for next year. You know, granted, um, I want to go to a festival that I've never been to another country, and you know. I'd like to do one that I don't know many of the artists on the on the bill. Just kind of get go completely out of my comfort zone and like see some people that I've never heard of and kind of give me a chance to just like I feel like if I keep hanging out in the same crowds, man, keep running the same people, you know, like you put yourself in a different crowd, in a different zone. You're you know you're able to meet people you wouldn't normally run into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just putting yourself into a new environment like that and just exploring, like it's really hard to grow and to change if you you know don't change your surroundings or the people you surround yourself with so mm -hmm. i agree with that 100 percent. yeah so it's i guess it's safe to say that that festivals have highly influenced you in creative ways in terms of your your taste and like your forms of expression and everything when did you first start getting into festivals um i went to my first festival in like 2013 i went to like wakarusa which um it's no longer a festival but it's uh was in uh, Mulberry Mountain in Arkansas. They have a couple other things there, like uh, Backwoods, and they have, uh, have Wakan there last year. 
and a couple of jam band festivals that are smaller. Um, I don't know, just I had a friend that just had an extra ticket and he just wanted somebody to go with him. So that was my first time going, and that was um, that was a crazy festival. There's like a crazy, you know, mud storm and like people were getting stuck in the mud, just like walking, like it's so deep. They like they're just completely messed up on whatever they're on. They're just stuck in the mud, can't move, like trying to help them, and then getting stuck, you know, trying to help them get out. Like yeah, yeah, just it was pretty wild. There's like a flood or whatever, something like that. But yeah, and I went to a couple other ones after that. You know, they made an impact on me. I didn't really get deep into them um, to about the summer of 2017 when I started just going to them nonstop. I think, you know, from 2017 to 2020, you know, I went to maybe, you know, like over 20 festivals, you know, sometimes weeks apart from each other. Uh, I was kind of just all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think and they inspired me a lot, especially the art. You know, I think those are the first places where I really experienced the art that, you know, triggered the things that triggered the feelings within me that, you know, led me to, you know, know that that's what I was supposed to do, you know? Yeah. A lot of those festivals going to, they had huge art installations and, you know, you're, you know, when you're on psychedelics of these places, you're, you're shedding the, these, you know, your normal thought processes and like perspectives of seeing things. And you're kind of like seeing everything through like a, you know, new clear vision, like everything's a blank slate. Like you're not like, you know, like preconceived like values or morals or notions in your head at that time, you know, you might've been raised into your whatever, or you convinced yourself that you thought that way, you know, you're kind of seeing things, you know, like as a child, you know, for the first time, and you're seeing these, these sculptures that normally, you know, you'd kind of just be like, oh, that's cool. And you're just really seeing them for what they are. And, you know, I just started to fall in love with, with the art and I appreciated it, you know, on a whole nother level that I didn't have before. And I think just one day I was like, oh, I, I could do that because I was always kind of a very visual person. And like I'd be sitting there and I just have these ideas of like something like, oh, that'd be really cool. Like, like, you know, doing this or that. And I just see these things in my mind's eye, you know, like as I was, you know, meditating or whatever, just going throughout the day, you know, I'm a person that's getting to flow like really easily. So I'm driving the car, I'm, I, I get into flow, you know, doing a mindless task like that, you know, and I always have ideas constantly kind of like downloading, you know, like, and I was like, man, I need to try and manifest some of these things into real life. Like, you know, if I could like really paint or build or, you know, draw this thing I'm seeing in my head, like I could, sell that like it looks you know and i think that's like a really important part to having as an artist is being able to have that mental image in your head i think that really helps with like you know creative ideas and stuff like that so you can kind of just like turn your brain off and meditate and you know images kind of just float into my brain you know i have a hard time meditating and seeing just nothing you know when i meditate it's always like missing objects and patterns and stuff like that when i meditate that's so awesome. <laughs> we use that stuff for artistic inspiration sometimes, our ideas. Man, that's so badass. Um, how long have you been um, practicing meditation for? Off and on for, you know, like a, almost a year. You know, I don't do it every day, but, um, well, recently I've been doing it every day. You know, uh, the past couple months, through few months, I've been really implementing it more. And I feel like there's different types of meditation too. You know, I feel almost like when I skate, it's almost like meditation. You know, when I go skating, 
it's almost like a moving meditation, you know, because I get into like a flow state when I skate, you know, and it's almost, I feel the same way afterwards from that, that I do from meditating. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been skating for also then? Uh, wow, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. I've been skating a really long time. It's always been my coping mechanism, you know, for anything stress-related for art. I still use it as much, you know. I'm actually skating more now than I have in maybe like eight, eight or nine years, you know. I'm skating this like a few times a week out here. Um, it was just like for an hour. I just go blow off some steam or whatever, you know, some pent-up energy or whatever in between painting. And, yeah, skating a real big part of my life. Even though it's not as – I don't take it as serious as I used to, but it's just something I love to do. That's awesome. It seems like they, they kind of serve similar places in your life. And I, th I think it, it's a powerful combination where you can stack all those different things in there like that, like, you know, different disciplines and different practices and arts and expressions, like getting to skate, getting to paint and getting to meditate. It just sounds like you're doing all the things that you're like mind, body and spirit need to kind of like be working and processing everything so that you're like at your best. Yeah, I think, you know, well, sometimes I use those things to trigger flow states, too. You know, like, if I want to paint that night, you know, I'll go skate for an hour before, and I can already get into a flow state, and it's kind of just, like, easier to get back into it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They've And uh, a lot of the work that I've researched with, you know, flow states, they talk all about that, like, using all these different flow triggers, things to get you into flow, and then you, you start to, like, stack them, so... For instance, Stephen Kotler, who's one of the authors of Stealing Fire, and he's a huge flow researcher, he just talks about like his process in the morning of getting up super early, like starting to write a little bit, and then he goes out for like a run with his dogs, and then comes back and has coffee, and then sits down, and then really does a whole lot of writing. And um, just that's what he uses to prime himself and start stacking that stuff up. And I've, I've seen that in a lot of different ways. It's like different things that I do, you know, different flow triggers that I have. And once I'm like in that zone, then whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm performing at my best and feeling my best. Yeah. It's hard sometimes though, because you realize you're in a flow state and then you're just like, oh, there it goes. You know, it's like, you have to like be careful. I don't know. That's why I think it's smart that he probably does, you know, he breaks that block early in the morning. I feel that creative block by just writing down whatever, you know, comes in that morning and then going and doing his, you know, his exercise or whatever, and then, you know, coming back and doing the real work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I try to do it as much as I can. It doesn't work all the time. And then it's funny because sometimes I'll plan on doing something like here lately. I'm, I'm studying, you know, like I, t I told you, computer engineering. So I'm starting to learn web development stuff and coding. And sometimes I'll, I'll just feel stuck and not in the zone and the other day I, I hopped on my bike and went out and I've been riding my bike like a ton lately as just a form of exercise and it's just so much fun and it, it's just great for my head so I hop on my bike and I go out and then I was just I, I was riding around for like two and a half three hours you know I was just like you know what I don't even think I'm gonna do any coding today because <laughs> this bike ride is just I'm enjoying it so much and, and just getting lost in that you know I, like you said when you become aware of like the flow state, it, it, it turns itself off. You know, you have to lose yourself. You have to be completely absorbed into the task at hand and not at all thinking normal thoughts in your head, just being fully present in the action or activity and just letting it. I really think exercise is one of those things that helps a lot too. I don't know. I think it's just 
the way it just boosts the endorphins in your head and it's kind of gets you like fired up. I just, you know, exercise, even doing, you know, some push-ups, I feel like will knock me in a flow state, you know, there's something to do with that, you know, at least for me, I know everyone's different, you know, but you know, the, uh, the movement for me is something, you know, just like, if it's like kind of like listening to music and dancing and kind of moving around, like that's, that's for me, the easiest way to get in a flow state. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I recently purchased, uh, one of those led future staffs and just, I love the way the weight of it, the size of it and everything. And I've, I've messed with staffs for a while now, but getting this thing is like a whole nother, you know, level. And I just, I constantly, if I'm on the phone with somebody or whatever, I have that thing in my hands and I'm walking around just spinning and flowing with it. And, and it's, it's so much fun. It's like a neat little creative freeform expression that doesn't have like a right or wrong answer or like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a moving meditation. It's moving art. So there's no finite result that I'm expecting or to compare myself to, except for the feeling that I get from doing it. Yeah. It's important to, you know, do what makes you happy, you know, <laughs> even if it's just, you know, in a little time that you have, I've been doing poi recently. That's something that I also use to flow, flow art that, that helps me get into flow too. Uh, that's awesome. I didn't know you were starting to get into that stuff lately yeah i've been doing a the poi for about like a year and then i've been picking up something called a, a rope dart which is based off like a like a chinese martial art weapon which was like a dagger with like a rope on it oh yeah but this is basically just like uh like a i made this one at home it was it's like a juggling ball on the end of a rope and you kind of like swing it around and you kind of like you know, like kick it outward and like like let the rope extend it's pretty long it's about like two bodies lengths long and you kind of like hold it at each end in the middle and you kind of like as it extends you kind of let it like slide out then you yank it back in it's pretty fun yeah i've seen those before um maybe i might have to check it out like try to build one myself but I, i've seen them and they look like a lot of fun i've seen a lot of different artists do them some with like fire some with leds and stuff but just it just looks like a neat unique it's simple it's like not really it's, i enjoy that more than poi because it's not like so technical i can really just get lost in it because it's boy i'm doing a lot of technical stuff like two arms and like keep moving my arms and in, in different directions have the focus kind of and you know with the the rope dart i can kind of spin around in my body and kind of just feel like i can just like turn my brain off a lot more with it without uh having to worry about hitting hit me in the face <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool that you have so many different like outlets forms of expression and just forms of activity like you know i i feel like my quality of life started improving greatly when i started incorporating more of those things you know and like skiing is a huge flow trigger for me and rock climbing for sure is and now doing staff and like riding my bike like it seems like for me a lot of mine are, are very active ones it's either high intensity like in, in one way or another like it's either a really stimulating environment with a lot of lights and noise and people or it's just like something that's really intense like what I'm doing uh you know that forces you to pay attention otherwise you get hurt and you know, I don't, it's, it's more difficult for me to get into flow with calmer things like, um, like, like reading or, you know, writing. I, I, I used to do some art, some visual art. I don't really do it that much anymore. And, um, it's something that I kind of want to get back in touch with, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad that I can do 
you know, some of this flow art stuff now and even yoga, you know, I don't do as much yoga as I need to, as I would like to, but, um, even that, you know, just gets me super present in like a good state of mind. Do you feel like, uh, nature affects you in that way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, so I guess, yeah, that's, that's a very calm and sort of relaxing trigger, but I guess it depends because sometimes it's, it's an intense hike and you get up to a view that's kind of like makes your feet sweat when you're standing next to the edge. But at the same time, that is just such, nature is just so inspiring. Like I'm so appreciative and grateful and in love with nature. Yeah. Uh, that's something I take advantage of out here. I'm definitely very grateful for where I live and being able to be close to nature. So I grew up growing up. I didn't really have that many options and you know, I wasn't the kind of kid that liked to, uh, since I play video games, I was always outside. So I feel like I was, uh, didn't have the best options growing up to do stuff like that. Now, you know, get as much of it as I can, you know, even if it's for 30 minutes during the day, you know, I try to make sure I'm outside. Yeah. I mean, that you just got some killer views out there. I've seen some of your stuff, but I mean, I'm, I'm just in love with Colorado anyway. Like I've, I've been wanting to move there for so long. That place is so beautiful. And I don't know what it is. Like, you know, it's, I feel like it's kind of the same with anybody from anywhere. Like if you're from a place, you know, you might not necessarily have the same appreciation for it because you've seen it forever. And some people want to move on and and see something new, experience a new environment. But, you know, then there are people who are just like, I'm never moving. And I think for me, just growing up, spending so much of my time in the South and the Southeast, like, you know, I, I love the, the vegetation, you know, especially in the fall, like the colors are really beautiful. And, you know, there are some cool like hikes and views and waterways out here. But just being out there in the Rockies, I mean, the Rockies are just like nothing I've ever seen before. And just to be able to see it both in the, the winter and summer. And it's it's beautiful no matter what. There's stuff to do no matter what out there. And I'm, I'm stoked for you, man. It, it just is beautiful. Yeah, it's there's always something to do that's i think that's such an essential part to like being like in a good mood you know and being happy you know out here there's so many healthy tools and coping mechanisms you know you know i'm from you know people they don't have anything to do so if they don't they're bored and stir crazy they just go drink you know like out here you can go mountain biking rock climbing kayaking hiking uh snowboarding skiing snowmobiling you know you can go to music festival oh could <laughs> yeah uh, there's so much stuff to do you can go rafting like and it, it's there's so much to do you know like it's you don't need to do all that other stuff like those things are so much better uses of your so much better uses of your time and they you really get things out of them you know i always feel in such a good mood after i come back from camping you know yeah like i don't care about anything else you know <laughs> yeah i agree man it's it's uh the the things that you do with your time like what you put your attention on like these days i just really realize like really realize how much my attention span is like my most valuable asset you know and like you have all these different inputs that are that are grabbing for your attention at all times like tv like your phone instagram facebook all these little things that have these tricks for trying to just keep your attention on them as much as possible you know and um, you know, I still game a little bit, but, um, I used to play way more video games than I do now, but even now it's just like, you have these free games and stuff and people get on there and it starts giving you these free rewards and blah, blah, blah. And it, they just want to hold your time and attention as much as possible until they get you invested. And then you start, you know, 
spending a dollar here, a dollar there, and eventually it adds up and you spent more in this quote-unquote free video game than you have on a regular video game. Not to mention, you could have spent that on something else that, you know, maybe is going to give back to you a little bit more. Yeah. And then social media too, so addicting too, you know, that's social media and video games, those things, they're just, I don't know what it is, but they just, they get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like that with TV shows, you know, like, I'm like, I don't want to start, I don't want to go on Netflix. I don't want to look and see if there's a new TV shows because once I start it and I'm into it, I have to watch the whole thing right then. Like I'll watch 10 episodes in a row, stay up till 9am in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just mess up my whole sleep schedule. Like, I know it's a dark hole, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I think that having that awareness, uh, definitely is, uh, is important to preventing yourself from getting caught in those traps, you know? And, and I think like you were saying, like how, you know, when people don't know what to do with their times, they don't ha they don't have meaningful, uh, hobbies or anything, then they do get into those habits of like, let's go out to the bar, let's go drinking and whatever. And I think that you can really see in certain cities and places and, and environments where there's more to do there's the, the people seem to have and you know this is completely just my observation my opinion but people in places like near where you live they just seem to have a, a better sense of well-being just like a better quality of life you know and and they're healthier and you know less people drink and more people hike and all those things yeah have you ever been to a ski town and seen anyone that lived there that didn't just have like a huge smile on their face? Yeah. No, like I like I, the ski towns I went to. It's just like everyone was so nice. Everyone was stoked to be there. It's like they're all there because they want to be there. You know, it's like I'm. Yeah. You know, we, I, I met this girl, really awesome girl on a on a trip uh, one year to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Her name is Grace, and uh, she was really awesome. And you know, just didn't know her at all. And she was just like. I'm here because I love to ski and that's what, that's what I'm doing. So like, you know, we, we met, hung out one night, um, her and a bunch of my buddies. And she was like, let me show you guys like, you know, some of the good runs and all this stuff. And as like a local. And so she took us out and it was just, it was so cool just bonding with somebody over that experience and just being like, yeah, it's really is all about the skiing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, when they have a bad day, they can just go sit on their balcony and stare at a beautiful mountain, you know? Or go ski, you know, like it's, you know, if they did have a problem in the morning, they go ski, like they, they usually, it's not that as big of a deal, you know, depending on the situation, of course, but, you know, those people live somewhere beautiful. And I, yeah, I feel like regardless of where they wanted to, you know, it rubs off on the, on them, you know, and their emotions, you know, being around all that beautiful scenery, I feel like it, kind of affects their subconscious mind to making them, you know, more happy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we know that the nature in general just has that kind of impact on people. And um, that's, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm looking at creating a mobile lifestyle eventually, just so that I can go and be immersed in those kinds of inspiring environments all the time. And when you're mobile, I mean, especially if you're somewhere like out on the West Coast, like I could, I could start my day you know skiing on top of a mountain and then by the the evening be like on a beach or something you know and with my home with me i can just go to whichever adventure is calling in that moment and yeah that to me is like real freedom like that that is my personal version of the american dream right there and like this country really is so beautiful and we really do have a lot of ecosystems and everything and 
you know, we need to start working to preserve them all. But also, like, I, I have lived here, you know, my entire life in this country, and there's so much of it that I haven't seen. And I just, I really want to go out and be one with nature in this country, you know. I think that's a huge, you know, issue we have currently in society is, you know, our disassociation from nature. I think that, you know, as a as society as a whole should, you know, try to be more connected with nature, you know? Like, I mean, I feel like we come from nature. You know, nature is, you know, a part of us. We are nature, you know? We're not something separate from it, you know? And I feel like it's just natural to be more connected to it as a civilization, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, this is this, the land, like the earth, nature, that's where we get everything, all of our food, our resources, the things we need for our shelter, like our water, how we cleanse ourselves, how we nourish ourselves, like all of it. It's, we're all so connected to it. And, you know, children are taught it from movies like, the Lion King when they're children, but then they just forget and everybody gets so caught up in the rat race of consumerism and status and appearances. And they're just forgetting about all the connections we have. And we view ourselves as being separate from nature, but we are completely a part of nature. We are an extension of nature. And, you know, for us to, to have this, the level of intelligence, awareness, and consciousness that we do compared to other animals we are the stewards like we it is our responsibility since we are the ones that are aware of it that we should work to improve it and hopefully our whole society and our species as a whole starts to realize that in bigger terms and we start to put changes into place so that we can preserve the rest of nature and get back in touch with it things are changing you know i can tell that much you know it's going to be a slow road but you know minds are shifting and I feel as you know as older generations start to die off more and more the majority as a whole is going to be much more nature inclined uh, I think that we still have a lot of people that are older that don't really just care but I feel like on a general consensus you know the majority of people in my age group and your age group you know pro climate change and all that stuff you know they're about protecting the rainforest I see less and less people acting. I see less people littering. I see less people driving certain cars. And um, I can tell there's, you know, progress being made, you know. I mean, just think how many people have gone vegetarian or vegan, you know, in the past few years. You know, it's become like a huge thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a lot of it's a health trend, but, you know, things are starting to change, you know. I just think it's going to take a lot of time that people aren't really expecting it's just going to take a lot of time yeah i think that one of the challenges is just being aware of those things and having that expectation of all of your peers and the people around you and it, it just takes some time for it to catch on with everybody you know it's it's been that way with everything that was a change you know at one point in time a lot of people thought it was okay to own another human being and to have slaves and it took a long time for it to catch on, but I would say that obviously the majority of people these days know that it's wrong, you know, and you're right, it is going to take some time, but um, it all starts with ourselves, and uh, then we have the opportunity to affect those people closest to us, and 
I think that you're right. It is it is changing. It's going to change for the better. It just might take some time. And being aware of it now, it, it is a little frustrating having to wait for everybody else to, to come over the hill, you know. But we'll get there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just becoming a huge emphasis on, you know, different types of things that weren't really focused on before. You know, yoga has become a huge thing. You know, things like meditation are super mainstream right now you know like people are are doing it everywhere you know people are starting to believe different kinds of beliefs you know people are starting to especially the younger generation starting to believe in things like chakras and you know astral projection and stuff like that not to mention you know like that's the cia documents that came out recently yeah i saw that that was crazy (laughs) yeah so I feel like um, things are going in a good direction, and I think that maybe science will start to recognize some of these things because a lot of the sciences that we use today in medical practices and you know in the medical field were considered magic, what, like a couple hundred years ago? I mean, most people consider things like astral projection and you know chakra frequencies and Reiki healing that those things are magic and not real but who knows that you know two three hundred years from now probably sooner you know there's gonna be actual medical practices and those people are gonna have medical degrees you're gonna go to a reiki doctor i think that things like that can start to happen yeah i think so too i think that it's it's coming fast as well i think now that our technology is accelerating so quickly we're getting, you know, new devices and instruments that can measure, observe these kinds of things, you know, EEG, like electroencephalogram measuring brainwave patterns. And you can see that, you know, when somebody goes from a waking beta state to like down into, you know, alpha waves and theta waves and all of that, like meditative states, flow states, just being able to compare, like saying, hey, look, we can see what's going on in the brain while people are having these experiences and it's it's real as far as i can tell and and so it's it's just amazing to see how it's opening people up when they get a deeper explanation and a deeper understanding i think that that is really cool like just to see this blend of science and spirituality that has never really happened before in our society until now i think that's the key for science to truly move forward is to merge a spirit they have to start to understand those type of things. I don't know how they go about that, but I think that there is some of those laws that they can, you know, understand them, that they could do things with science that they couldn't do now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's amazing. Like you said that those CIA documents, uh, documents that just came out, um, yeah, there's this documentary on Netflix called Third Eye uh, Third Eye Spies. Have you heard of it? No. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's all about how um, I think it was Stanford, um, but Stanford uh, was involved with some research where they were looking into like astral projection and um, psychics and things like that, and they wound up getting into a government program. Like they basically created this whole government program where they had psychics during the cold war that were working for the CIA and the government. And it is really super fascinating. And they're like, it's almost like the UFO thing. Like there's so much denial from the one side that people don't believe it. But now we're getting these documentaries, these firsthand stories. And a lot of these people who 
were supposed to remain silent now they're retiring and things like that and they're able to share their stories and it's just interesting how in some cases they try to discredit them but in other cases it seems like people just sort of overlook this stuff because they just think that it's it's got to be fake and it it just it turns out that all the CIA has to do is just be nonchalant about it and then people don't pay attention but MK Ultra as well i mean all of these things I think that I'm surprised, you know, more military personnel haven't come out and told stories, you know, like I think there's a lot of people out there probably have, you know, real paranormal encounters that just haven't told anyone, you know, or haven't really announced them just for fear of getting, you know, <laughs> laughed at and, you know, mocked. But, you know, now that, you know, the government's basically, like, yeah, they're real, they're out there, you know, that these people can come out and say these things safely and not you know, get ridiculed yeah, or lose jobs or, you know, like, cause people come out and they say these things and they lose their jobs or lose their families, you know, like nobody wants that. Like, yeah, that's like, I feel like that's the same with drug use too, though. You know, people, people have to hide that when they have a problem. And most of the time the drug problem is a side effect of some deeper subconscious psychological problem. And you look at places like Portugal and seeing how, decriminalizing it and making it safe and accessible for everybody is like the way to start treating things and you know it's really hard to get the help you need when you can't even admit that you have a problem because you're going to worry about those same kinds of things and I, I just think it's interesting how those two things correlate and I think that our society again like you said is changing and it's it's just we're being more accepting of other people in general regardless of whatever it is it's like we know that there are different perspectives and we know that it's not right to just crucify people or burn them at the stake, literally or metaphorically, just based on the challenges that they're going through. Yeah. Um, the whole drug policy here is just trash, basically. Yeah. It's, it's a broken system designed for, you know, people to repeat their, you know, offenses and so they can profit more off of them. Yeah. It's... It's terrifying, you know. It's like this is supposed to be the, a reform system. We're supposed to take people out of the system and keep them out, but it just seems like they want to keep them in. And uh, the Culture High is a documentary I've mentioned on this show before. That is a big one for me for opening my eyes to that and just realizing that oh wait, the Thirteenth Amendment freed slaves unless you're a prisoner, and then you're you can essentially be a slave. And you have all these companies that are just lobbying for there to be harsher laws so that they can just have all this cheap labor over these non-violent drug offenses. Yeah, I think they should um, make privatized penal systems, you know, federally legal. Or not illegal, you know, just make all the, you know, the penal systems, you know, run by the government. I mean, not that it's going to make them that much better, but, you know, a lot of these private places, you know, they the prisons might be nicer, but, you know, I don't think people should be able to profit off, you know, essentially, like you said, human slaves. Because then they got them working in their factories, you know, getting paid, you know, a dollar an hour to, you know, do, you know, hard labor, you know, like CNC machining, CNC machining and stuff like that. And, you know, they take the jobs because, you know, they're not getting any money and they're in there, you know, making a dollar an hour. But, you know, that should be illegal. Absolutely.
I feel like most of the time, a lot of those people, like, they say yes because, like you said, they, they're not making any money anyway. But just to have something else to do, you know, a craft to put yourself into. And if you're not spending that money, you know, it's, it stacks up. But Yeah, but still, it's not stacking up like it is for the profits of those companies. It's crazy. Yeah, this, and it, it's, yeah, using prison labor, I mean, that's, they're saving so much money. They don't even hire real workers. They just use prison workers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of companies. Like, I guess, Victoria's Secret, Levi Jeans, Idaho Potatoes. Like, yeah. It's nuts. These, these giant companies, you know, it, it, it's just it's, – have you ever seen that um, speech, the Charlie Chaplin speech from The Great Dictator? It's, like, in black and white, and he's just talking about, you know, don't give yourself to these men, these machine men. Like, just – it's it's really interesting. It's – it's sort of the opposite of what Hitler actually was about, but it's it's Charlie Chaplin basically playing Hitler. But at the end of the movie, there's like a twist, and he's saying, "I don't I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a dictator and all this." And it's this beautiful speech, and just his description in it of how people treat each other and how one of the things he says is, "The good earth is rich and it can provide for all," and it, and it is. But there are so many of us that just want more, 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 like. We get so infected with greed, and there are these people and these indigenous uncontacted tribes all across the world that are so happy, and they have so little, and they they aren't overcome with grief or jealousy, and everyone here in modern society just seems to be so worried about what they don't have or worried about losing what they do have, and it just causes people to be greedy and want more, and it's, it's a fear-based mindset, worried that I won't have enough, worried that someone's going to take it when there are people out there that don't even have a minute fraction of what you have. And I mean, there's more than enough food, water and shelter to go around for everybody. There's no reason for us to be controlling it in the way that we do and giving it to, you know, these upper echelon people that control such a huge amount of all of our resources. I couldn't have said it better. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, money isn't everything. I used to think it was. And, you know, now that I don't live my life, you know, based around how much money I'm going to make, I'm a lot more content. Uh, the whole greed cycle thing, it's, it's addicting. You know, you, you, you're out of it, then you kind of dip your toes in a little bit and you kind of just like, it's like a landslide. You just fall right back into it, you know, and you enter those old thought cycles it's it's kind of like a trap you know but you know we're kind of a designed as society to think that way that's why you got to kind of work really hard to you know, break those thought processes and uh you know have a new perspective on things yeah because those people yeah. in those tribes that have nothing they are way more happy you know i've seen them i'm actually gonna be going and spending about a month um, in an area such as that uh, in December, if you know, accordingly. Oh, wow. Yeah, at an artist's retreat type thing in the Amazon rainforest. Where basically. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, I'll be living like on like a kind of like a jungle compound with like, you know, like three other houses. It's like an artist residency. I pay, you know, I basically pay rent for, which is a pretty small fee for the month and they supply me with you know living quarters uh studio space and supplies and you know 
I think that's going to be a good way to just kind of not have anything, you know, and just be out in the jungle and just have my art, you know, not have my phone, you know, that technology and stuff around me. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That sounds like it's going to be the adventure of a lifetime. You got to take a journal with you. Yeah, I'm actually doing going to an ayahuasca retreat before. Oh, wow. That. So the whole purpose of it is to once I'm done with the retreat in ayahuasca ceremonies, I'm going to, I guess you would say, visually journal my experience wow. um, onto canvas while I spend a month in the jungle in the rainforest, kind of like decompressing, you know, before I come back to society. Dude, that sounds amazing. I like really can't wait to see what kind of uh, beautiful or uh, terrifying stuff you whatever you're feeling that you come out with. <laughs> it's gonna be um, m m a different style of painting for me for sure. It's gonna be embarking on a new. Um, it's gonna be like my first real I consider visionary painting. So a lot of my stuff is kind of comes at the moment you know it's like freestyle just kind of like flows into my head and i kind of put it on the paper but i don't really plan anything out this is gonna be something i'm gonna experience and i'm gonna you know plan it out and you know sketch it out and uh try to put a lot of motion into the piece to you know maybe hopefully when someone sees it that they are able to feel the things i was feeling yeah when I experienced um the, the vision and i think that's Having people able to connect with a painting like that on an emotional level is it's kind of like a gift, you know, mm -hmm. in a way, especially to society and other people, you know. If, you know, you make a painting, you know, showing the feeling of, you know, infinite love and gratitude, and you're able to, you know, manifest that into a work of art that someone can see and have those that same feeling, you know, almost like transmitted to them visually through the art into them you know that's it's a beautiful thing yeah wow dude very very well said and i'm quite looking forward to that and um yeah that that's amazing well dude we're we're coming up on like just a little over an hour here um so and that was such a beautiful little speech there so maybe we can wrap it up now um if you want, you can go ahead now and plug maybe uh, some social accounts or something, some places people can come to check out your art. Yeah. So um, I'm in the process of building a website right now, um, building a portfolio to have stuff on a website. So I don't currently have a website, but um, I do most of my business through my Instagram account. Um, I have a lot of photos of uh, painting, paintings on there and works of art and a couple – you know social adventures you know some skate videos and stuff like that but uh my instagram is wally record underscore art so that would be w-a-l-l-y-r-e-c-o-r-d then underscore then art and that's my instagram account and basically you know follow that and you'll stay up to date on everything that's going on with my artistic journey right on man well perfecto dude um this has been an awesome conversation. I can't thank you enough for doing this and just kind of giving some people some insight into your art and your mind and who you are. And, uh, yeah, this was great. So can't wait to see you again, man. And, um, yeah, thanks again for being here. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Right on, man. All right. Thanks, everyone, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Hey! Hey! Hey!
Hey!